You know the vibes. Welcome back to another episode of the Hoop Genius Podcast presented by NBA 2K23. Mo, BJ, once again, how was your weekend? Come on, Mo, give me another choice. <laughs> I'm going to find a way. <laughs> I'm going to find a way. <laughs> I'm going to find a way. BJ Armstrong rocking the BJ Armstrong t-shirt as well. Is that what we're seeing? Yeah, I'm going to find a way, Mo. You know, it's, <laughs> I'm going to get to the love no matter what. I'm going to get there. Right, you know man. what I mean? Some days, some days it might be a little tougher than others, but you know what? I'm going to find a way. It's all mm-hmm. love. Mm-hmm. All love. Hold up. The whole of the UK had a, a, a day off. They had a national bank holiday. That's what yeah. they call it over here with the funeral of the Queen and all that kind of stuff going on, which uh, we are not going to talk about. But instead, we are going to talk about the NBA, as we love to do. And um, before I say that, make sure you click the link in our description to get your hands on a copy of NBA 2K23. Because, BJ, we've talked a lot about the new CBA. If you guys at home don't know, the CBA is the collective bargaining agreement that is signed between the owners and the Players Association that basically allows the NBA to run. And December the 15th is the mutual opt-out date looming for the NBA and the Players Association for their current agreement, which means both sides can opt out and renegotiate. So a report has just come out about some of the points that will be renegotiated in the next one. BJ, if you had to have a think about some of the things that might be changing in the CBA, given your expertise, what do you think would be changing in, in ahead of the next collective bargaining agreement, the way that contracts and other deals are agreed between the players and the teams? I think a couple of things stand out to me, Mo. One is the length of contracts. You can see players, in particular star players, are beginning to take shorter length or or at least demanding that they have shorter length contracts. Some say they do this to keep the teams honest for various reasons they're doing this. So I think that will be a thing of topic for both sides. Second, I think the age limit, when you can come into the NBA will be another thing that will be, I think there will be a lot of interest, you know, for teams, executives, players, because I think it will do two things. One, it will potentially boost their G League experience or what they consider minor league basketball. And second, I think it will allow players who maybe want another option to get to the NBA to have an opportunity to go directly to the NBA other than going various routes that we've discussed you know, at different times throughout, um, you know, our telecasts and other telecasts as well. So I think those will be two things that will stand out. Length of contracts and the age limit will come into play, what they're going to do there in the collective bargaining agreement, among other things. Well, you are spawn with the new draft eligibility rules, because here's what's rumored to be about to happen. The league and the NBPA, the National Basketball Players Association, are expected to agree on the moving of the age eligibility from the NBA draft from 19 years old to 18, clearing the way for the return of high school players who want to make the leap to the NBA, per sources with knowledge of the discussion. The NBA set the draft age limit at 19 years old in 2005, Adam Silver said in July that he was hopeful for the rule changing in the next CBA cycle and both sides appear motivated to reduce the age eligibility for the draft. The reduced age limit for high school to NBA jumps would go into effect as early as the 2024 NBA draft. 
So the NBA, for you guys who don't know, put in a rule where you had to do basically one year of college or go and play overseas for one year, et cetera, before entering the NBA. Now they're bringing back the ability to go straight from high school to the NBA. And we've seen some great players make that jump. The likes of Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, Kevin Garnett have all gone directly from high school to the NBA. BJ, with this jump of going straight from high school, who are some players in recent years or since 2005 when the rules changed that you think could have made that jump without having to go and play in college for a year? Wow. Um, you know, Mo, when they say make that jump, you know, you, you're talking about, you know, you said those names, right? LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, and Kevin Garnett. You're, you're looking at, or you're talking about three or four incredible talents, okay? You look at, you know, a player like Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant could have done, it didn't matter. You know, a player like Derrick Rose, he could have gone because of their athletic ability. You know, some of the players, you, you see that they have the athletic attributes to play in the NBA. Now, it takes time. There's no way about it. There's no way around it, no matter how good you are athletically. The thing that allows those players to make it when you make that transition from high school or college to the NBA or to, let's just say, professional sports, is you have to have something that you can hang your hat on, meaning something that you can do when, when things get a little bumpy. When you talk about those three players, all, all three of them had amazing athletic ability. LeBron James, Kevin Garnett, Kobe Bryant. When things got a little rocky for them, they could always depend on something that will allow them to be the player as they continue their journey. And that's very important for any young player. You know, for me, when I made the transition, I knew that I could shoot the basketball. I knew that I could pass the basketball and score. So even though I didn't always play well, I knew there was something I could hang my hat on. That's important for any young player. When a player, this is what happens to many young players. Once you see a young player loses confidence or her confidence, it's over. You never get that back. So you know, every player is different. There will be exceptions to every rule. I'm not putting everyone in a box. However, as a father, as a dad, there is there, there are levels to this. There's a the physical, which we're talking about now. There's emotionally, the mental aspect to this. You know, well, we can put them in four buckets. We can put it mental, spiritual, emotionally, okay, here. And, and, and then... There's just there's just time that you need to mature in this league. As a father, mm -hmm. I would want to give my kids an opportunity to develop in college, Not just or it, 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 just develop to be around wherever that is, but to be around people their own age. Because here's why: when you're 18, there's a difference between what you do at 18, what you do at 25, what you do at 27. And what you do at 30. Mm -hmm. And Mo, you spend more time off the court than you do on the court in professional sports because of the games, the lifestyle, so forth and so on. I would 
really stress to my own kids. This has nothing to do with the question that you asked, and I'm not avoiding your question, is I would want my 18-year-old kids around other 18, 19-year-old kids so that they can continue to grow, not mm -hmm. only on the court, but off the court, because Mo, I know how important that is to youth. I know how important it is to kids. I know how important it is to me. And with my own kids, my own kids, I would really emphasize, and not often do I speak for my wife, but I think my wife would agree with that, that we would want our kids to be around as long as they can before they get to that business so they have an opportunity to mature, develop, mm -hmm. and be able to make decisions on their own. That to me is the goal here. And I'm not, you but, know, all the other things you can but do. The, the but other that side of that argument, goal. hypothetically speaking, is uh, people who aren't in as fortunate position, they can't afford to I, go I, and do I, that. And so for them to be able to go and get an MBA contract early without having to take a year of unpaid college stuff. But now it's interesting because they have the name and image likeness deals in college. So you can get paid a little bit whilst you're at college. But for all the Kevin Garnett's and Kobe Bryant's and LeBron James's, there are the Kwame Browns of the world where things don't work out as teams may have hoped. BJ, am I right in thinking you were in the Chicago front office in 2001? Yes, that's correct. That was a very interesting draft because at number four, you guys picked Eddie Curry straight from high school. And you mm -hmm. also traded for the number two pick, Tyson Chandler who That's was correct. also straight from high school, putting together two high school talents in that front court, super slash front court. What was your thinking in making those trades and drafting Eddie in that spot, in that spot there? Well, whenever you're drafting, you, you're trying, especially in the lottery. And at the particular time, the Bulls were in a, we were in a retooling. You know, I don't like the word rebuild. We were in a routine, retooling yeah. process. <laughs> <laughs> and we were just trying to acquire, which we determined was the best talent moving forward. And we saw an opportunity to get not one, but two incredible athletes, regardless of size and position. We just wanted to acquire as much talent as we possibly can. And we identified Tyson Chandler, who went on to become an NBA champion there in Dallas. Great player. And Eddie Curry, unfortunately, he had some health issues was a really terrific local score. For, for what and it's worth, Eddie Curry is a legend amongst the 2K community. He is a lot of people's favorite player. This, that, this yeah, will he, shock he, you. He, he, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, Eddie, was he's, he was a great young kid, very talented, huge hands, very athletic. Most people didn't know Eddie was a gymnast Okay, as a, as a, as a kid. And to watch a... 6'11", seven-foot kid, do a backflip. You talk about something that where you hold your breath. Um, but he was very athletic, had great feet, great hands, and could score around the basket. I, I remember him having one of those big games versus his, his idol, which was Shaq. And watching him, I mean, Shaq was just massive. You know, Shaq was 7'1", or so. Yeah, and his kid was 6'11", well. seven feet. Yeah, and Eddie, Eddie could bang with Shaq. It, 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 was, it was very interesting. I mean, he was so... I think we got that right. I think the thing that you Eddie went saw, on to be an NBA champion in 2012. Yeah, that's people what don't Eddie, realize. Eddie was a yeah, Eddie Eddie was a terrific talent. He was listen, but I do think in saying all of that and whatever the arguments may be and it's not even an argument. It's just it takes time. It takes time. We can look at their talent, 
But emotionally, spiritually, psychologically, you need time. So both of those guys were great kids. And over time, they went on to do terrific things in this league, on mm-hmm. and off the court. And um, but you know what? I, I I mean, I think that was our process. And I think, you know, and looking back on it, you just have to really have an environment where young people can grow and young people can reach their potential. But that takes time as well. And and we, you know, in, in professional sports. You know, you're not, it's not a five or six year waiting process as you're charging people to come see your particular sport, yep. you know, so especially in a sea that's just had a decade of Michael Jordan. <laughs> yeah. Guys. I mean, that, that was, that, that was a, know, tough it's, it's tough, however, it's a tough sell. But I, however, in identifying the talent, I thought we did a good job of doing that, yeah. but timing is everything. Well, most definitely. Do you know who is the last ever player to make the jump from high school to the NBA? Is it Gerald Green? No, he, it was the same year that Gerald Green was drafted. It was Amir Johnson. But w- when you look at the list oh. of players that have made that jump, nearly every single one has had a productive career. Nearly every single one, because I think teams will only take the high school talent if they know that or think that they're a sure thing to be able to have a career in the NBA. You don't see too many of us. That was quite an interesting year of the draft. CJ Miles, Ricky Sanchez, Monte Ellis, Lou Will, Andre Blatchett, and Ian Johnson. Gerald Green would have been the year before. I don't know. Dwight Howard also made the jump from uh, from mm-hmm. high school over. But in the CBA, continuing with that, there is another report that's come out on a new mental health designation on injury report. And what would be unprecedented and a progressive change for American pro sports, the NBA and MBPA are discussing measures to allow pres- players to cite mental health issues as ailments similar to physical injuries per sources with the knowledge of the talks. Similar to when players treat external injuries, this new addition would give players the ability to treat their mental health concerns with the same gravity, allowing for things such as seeking second opinions and psychiatric visits. Chicago Bulls all star DeMar Rosen, Cleveland Cavaliers forward Kevin Love have been at the forefront of shedding light on mental health battles and bringing in awareness and acceptance to the issues. Last season, Brooklyn Nets three-time all-star Ben Simmons missed the entire campaign, partly because of revealing to his then-organization, the Philadelphia 76ers, that he was not mentally able to play. His admission came after requesting a trade in the summer of 2021. So it's no doubt that Ben Simmons and what happened with Ben Simmons last season is the reason for this stipulation. But I think this is a step in in a right direction, as long as it's treated with the utmost um, seriousness mm-hmm. by all parties involved. Players like Demar Derozan and, and Kevin Love have spoken out about this. Um, but what are your thoughts on this? You know, I just take I try to always take a holistic approach when I answer questions like this. You know, if I, if I just focus on the physical, I'm going to miss the mental. If I just focus on the mental, I'm going to miss the mental. If I just focus on the, the mental and the physical, I'm going to miss the spiritual, emotional connection, psychologically connection. So I try to take a holistic approach. I think when you place young people, young people that are very inexperienced into high stressful environments, this is what happens. You know, when you are placed into the competitive nature that we are all in, there's going to be stress. 
And if you are not experienced enough to handle that stress, you know, you can get off track very quickly because you're not prepared, you're not experienced, but more importantly, you, you, you're not trained to handle the level of stress that you're currently seeing. You know, when I, without me experiencing my high school experience, my college experience, my few years in the NBA, all of the things that I saw, I wouldn't have been prepared to handle what I saw later in my career or earlier in my career. So I think more than anything, it's how do we prepare these young people for the environment they have no idea about. It's just like life. Mo, there's no preparation for this other than you have to live it. Mm -hmm. And you know, the things, the, the, the pressures and the problems that I have now in my fifties, Mo, if I would've saw these problems at 21 or 22, I probably would've jumped off a building. Okay. That's crazy. Okay. So we have to have the experience. More importantly, Mo, it's, it's great to have an environment where you have other people, safe environments where you can talk to other people so that you can deal with this level of stress that you're under. You don't make it to the NBA and then all of a sudden not be able to deal with the level, the competitive spirit that we are forced to be in. I, I felt it. But I was able to deal with it. Why? Because I felt I was prepared for the for that moment. It didn't always go my way, but I was prepared for the moment to be able to deal yeah. with it in a way that I've been. So I think these young people now are being placed into something they haven't seen before. I know. And we're we're being able to see in real time in experience happen. And then we're going from there. I think as well, it's not just. NBA issues that affect these players. So, like, for example, John Wall. Everyone was making jokes about John Wall when he wasn't playing for the Rockets and they seen different pictures of him, etc. And then when the news came out about what he was dealing with with his family and his mother and stuff like that, it gives you a whole new perspective on the situation. What I will say is teams, certain teams, have had uh, psychologists, sports psychologists working with them over the past five-plus years, more and more in-depth, working with the players on particular issues and trying to get them mentally ready to be in the best condition as well as the best physical condition. But there is one more. Well, there is actually two more, two more points in this new CBA negotiation. There is an emphasis on plan on player and fan civility. Um, the NBA will soon players be and fan what civility. Oh, okay. So, um, the uh, behavior of fans towards players in the stands, et cetera. Because we have seen a few incidents over recent years. You know, fans thrown, I think they threw some drinks at Russell Westbrook when he was walking into the tunnel, throwing some popcorn and stuff. Um, you know, uh, so there is that. But then one really important one, I think here, especially for teams like the Golden State Warriors, penalties for harsher luxury tax penalties, potential for harsher luxury tax penalties. While the prospects of a hard cap on team salaries appears to be a non-star for the MBPA, more punitive penalties for the luxury tax system are a point of emphasis for the league and some team governors. So I imagine the teams in small markets that can't afford to pay the luxury tax. Team executives believe the tax penalty will arguably be the biggest issue to resolve in the next CBA. However, changing the overall structure of the tax could be an aspect of both sides address. So, it seems to me that the, the haves and have-nots, shall we say, in this league, the OKCs of the world, 
who have had to forego players because they couldn't afford to keep them, e.g. James Harden, and then had to watch players go to teams like Golden State Warriors having Kevin Durant, where they can afford to have three or four max salaries on the books because their super rich owner is happy to pay the luxury tax year in and year out. That has become somewhat of an issue. BJ, what are your thoughts on this aspect of the negotiation and what do you see as being a solution for both parties? Well, as far as to replay, to retain players. So here's the big thing with the luxury tax. You know, we, we make it a big market versus small market, which is very easy and very simple for everyone to understand. But here, here is the, let me take everyone behind the curtain. Player, you can't stop players from talking and recruiting other players. Everyone knows that here's the following. People are talking in the NBA. It's a very small circle. And the last thing you want is you draft a player. That player at the end of four or five years leaves and goes to another team. And you have zero thing to show for that. That's what you don't want. I don't care if you're a big market, small market, and everyone knows that. Mm-hmm. That that's the that's the bottom line. I don't care it, who you are: Milwaukee, Oklahoma, New Orleans, Sacramento, the Lakers, the Knicks. No one wants to be in that position. Why? It sets your organization back ten plus years when you have an opportunity. To draft, keyword, when you have an opportunity to draft a young player, you're taking on the risk of developing this young player, surrounding this young player with excellent talent, coaching, and doing all of the things. Then that player is ready to start winning. He leaves mm-hmm. for nothing. That's, they can call it luxury tax. They can call it whatever they want. That's what they don't want. Yeah. That's that, that's just There's what it no is. No return on investment. Yeah. The, the, no. Now, the, the MBA and the governors are trying to impose a rule that will make it as difficult as possible for the players to leave. For instance, if a player does choose to leave, he will... He can't get, he can't receive, let me, let me reset. If a player decides to stay with his team, he can have five years. Yeah. You got to have super, super max. But for the super max, then if he just chooses to go to another team, he has four years. So yeah. they've been trying to figure this out for years. Yeah. To it, encourage the, their players, their star players to stay with the current team and but, but, really reward those players. And now we have the issue where we could see a player, for example, Bradley Bill, staying with the Washington Wizards his whole career. And now he signed the Supermax deal, probably what will be the biggest deal of his career. There's nothing stopping him from demanding a trade a year into that deal being signed. So, yeah, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And, Mo, and here's the thing. The players have shown... Because reason and logic will say, Mo, if we can get $100 million on this side of the street, we're going to take that other than $70 million over here. That's mm-hmm. a $30 million difference. Mm-hmm. The players are like, 
I don't care about the 30 million. I'm going over here. And you're like, what? <laughs> so now the owners are saying, well, if the players don't value money, I know that the governors do. Well, the other thing as well is it's not exactly a level playing field. For example, if you're a player like a LeBron James in Cleveland and you pay tax on your salary in Cleveland and you have the option to go to Miami where there is no state income tax in Florida, the difference in re-signing may be, negative, uh, may be wiped out by them not having to pay tax. That, that 30 million difference between 170, if we're using round numbers, for example, sake, there are instances like that because certain teams have an advantage when it comes into the fold of all those little financial things. Yeah, I mean, it's fun. It's, listen, it's fun to talk about LeBron James. But here's, here, here, is, here is what I ask. How many LeBron James, how many LeBron Jameses are there? There's only one. Yeah. There's only one. It's, it's fun to talk about Michael Jordan. It's fun to talk about those players because mm-hmm. we all dream of being those players. Reality is they're one of one. That's that's just what it is. Yeah. So what LeBron James does doesn't affect me. What Michael Jordan or those star, those high elite players, I will never know what that's like. And that's 99% of us. Here's the, the answer your question. These owners are trying to figure out how to create an environment where they can retain repeat where they can retain the services of their star player and really make it as difficult as possible for him to go to another organization. And as everyone likes to say, you got to hit them where it hurts. (laughs) Okay. So what they've determined, okay, if you want to go someplace, you just got to take less money to do it. Or if you do get a player, we're going to, we're going to charge you X amount in luxury tax. Mm-hmm. And then it really offsets the following. Like, is it really worth it to win? Because everyone knows that everyone's talking to everyone, right? Coaches are moving around. Players are moving around. Executives are moving around. So everyone is all in the same room, more or less. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we don't say they're recruiting each other, but they, they're yeah, looking but, around. But so... Th- I, I hear what you're saying, and that's how it currently is. But what they're looking to do is make the luxury tax more harsh because now, for example, the Warriors, okay. we're seeing their ability to retain the talent that they drafted, which I don't think necessarily is a bad thing. But you're looking at a point where they are going to be able to dominate, supposedly, for year on year on year on year, having a dynasty that other teams cannot afford to have because they've not been able to pay the luxury tax so far. So they're happy well, to pay all their guys well, and they're happy to pay the price well, here, to win. Here, here, here's the thing. Here's the here here's the only, if you will, I don't know if it's fair, you know, I, you know, fair or unfair, but here's the difference. Golden State can charge a price for its, you know, floor seats that is far superior than let's say the Oklahoma City Thunder or the Orlando Magic, just because of location. That's just a fact. Yeah. That's a fact. If one can get, if, if you're in New York, for instance, you could easily charge $2,500 $2, for a floor ticket, mm-hmm. but you just can't readily do that in New Orleans mm-hmm. or other places. 
So that's a fact. So if there's anything that's geographically, you, you, you got to know where you're at. So that makes a difference. I don't think there's anything you can do about that one. However, if you're, if suddenly now the New York Knicks are paying a, a much higher price tag because they have a bigger profit margin for the same seat arena, right? If one team is making $5 million per game and the other team at its max is only making it a million and a half, well, Mo, you could just do the math. It's just a math equation. So mm -hmm. it doesn't really matter. To me, you, you got to make those bigger markets who have the ability to charge more for tickets feel the same pain that the smaller markets pay because they can't afford to do that. I mean, that's just that's just a fact. It doesn't make it right or wrong. That's just what it is. Mm -hmm. I hear it. So that's some of the topics that's going to be coming up in the new CBA. No doubt there'll be more news unfolding. And as the news does unfold, you guys are going to be right here listening to the Hoop Genius podcast. We've got to get back to it. We were running through all 30 teams and breaking down their off seasons. We had to take a little break because stuff started happening, a few trades, a bit of news like this. We will be getting back to that. So make sure you have subscribed because your favorite team is coming soon. If you haven't heard your favorite team yet, check out the previous episodes. Just stay locked in. You've got a lot coming. The season is now 30 days away. In 30 days mm. from now, BJ, wow. we will be talking about opening night of the NBA season. Unbelievable, bro. Unbelievable. It's, it's been a long time, but almost there. The marathon continues. The season's almost upon us. I can't wait. So you guys at home, appreciate you all for listening. Have a great day and make sure you get buckets.